It takes years to, I think, for people to find their voice, right? When you're young, mm -hmm. and for me, it wasn't easy. You know, when I was a child, I was always told not to speak until I was spoken to. I think, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was the cult, my family culture or the generation that we're in, right? They're like, you got anything to say? Say it to yourself, okay? Like, you go to your room and you talk about it amongst yourself. And so maybe that's why I love to write. You know, I realized that through writing, I can say what I want to say and no one mm -hmm. can stop me. Welcome to Latinx in Power, a podcast hosted by Thaisa Fernandes. Welcome to Latinx in Power. It's an immense pleasure to have Diana Muchi today. Thank you so much, Thais. I'm so excited to be here with a fellow uh, Latinx, and I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Diana Mucci is a Chicago-based Afro-Latina author, playwright, poet, and producer, a former English teacher, IT sales executive, and fashion entrepreneur. Diana has performed as an actress and has written, published, and produced short stories, children's books, indie films and full-length plays, and finishing her memoir, Growing Up With Big Hair. <laughs> That's a long list. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. A lot of accomplishments. Of course, I needed to say them all. So you are so inspiring. And I'd love to hear more about how your life story began. Well, we've got to go back to the beginning. <laughs> That's kind of where the best story starts at the beginning. I was raised on the south side of Chicago uh, by immigrant parents, my father from Haiti and my mother from Puerto Rico. When they came to this country, neither of them spoke English, so they worked really hard to get ahead, you know, as a, English as a second language was difficult for mm -hmm. them, but they did it. And, you know, just by example, they instilled in me a really strong work ethic and desire to achieve really great things, but they couldn't afford to send me to college. So after high school, I got a full-time job. And then after three years at this company, um, I got passed up for a promotion. It was given to a, a, a woman who had a college degree. So I decided, you know, it was kind of a bummer at, at that time. I was mm -hmm. going to get, uh, in order to get ahead at all, that I was going to have to go to college. So at that time, I was married, very young, 20-something. Uh, I had a one-year-old daughter. Uh, and another one on the way. And I enrolled uh, full-time as a university student. Um, I quit my job. And I was able to get student loans and some grants. So that uh -huh. was a, a blessing. And then I earned a bachelor's in English and education. Um, and my, like, my senior year, I had my third baby and also was offered this really great opportunity to work for a technology company. It was a software development company. And over like the years, I kind of, you know, went up the ranks um, in my IT sales career. But, but throughout, I took some time off. And that was when I was able to do my teaching, my writing. You know, I worked on my theater and my film projects. I even started a couple of businesses along the way. And the most recent um, was uh, Back of the Yards Entertainment, which mm -hmm. is for my um, uh, theater and film production work for diverse independent artists. And I also, with my husband, opened up an Italian boutique. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we had to shut that down due to COVID. And I have to share this because, you know, my whole story is very diverse, right? It kind of has this ebbs and flows. And you're just like, mm -hmm. how does this woman do what she does? 
like, how was I able to do IT sales and then also open up an Italian boutique? Like, I mean, it doesn't Mm -hmm. even seem to go, but this is me, you know, this is sort of like Uh the ambition that I have. And what I said in the beginning, right, my parents instilled that in me, right, to always, you know, achieve great things, try to do better and be better. Mm -hmm. So um, when COVID hit, you know, the entire world was turned upside down. I'm like, okay, now I'm not doing this boutique, but you know what? I, I still have my writing and I still, what can I do to make a difference um, while people are suffering and struggling? And I remember that I'd written this children's nap time series and I'd wrote, written it like six years ago, but you know, I figured it's time to publish it. It's time to dust it off. And, you know, so I started uh, officially launched Back of the Yards Entertainment and then the publishing company to make it happen. Amazing. I I love that. I'm happy that you also answered like a lot of questions that I had when I was like researching about you, like the IT, being an actress, writer, entrepreneur. It's amazing. I love that. This is so inspiring. And what does it mean to be a Latina for you? It is like the core of who I am. When I hear the word Latina, what Uh immediately comes to my mind is a strong woman, someone who loves boldly, like out there, you know, someone who is proud of her family, her Uh heritage, her mother language. Her food, I'm just a huge fan of Latin food from every country in Latin America. Uh, And the Latin music, I think, that lives inside of us. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Like food, family. And as Diana just said, she just published her children's nap time series and is finishing her memoir. And tell us a little bit more about your books and where does your inspiration come from? From the moment that I could read, I was pretty young, I loved books. And by the Mm -hmm. time I was nine years old, I knew I wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. So when I had my own babies, I really enjoyed reading the classics to them at bedtime. And we Uh had this special bedtime ritual that I looked forward to probably more than they they did, right? So, so much. I was like, oh, this is so much fun. Like, you know, it's not always fun. You know, sometimes they're like, you know, I don't want to go to sleep, but I always try to make it an experience, not an episode. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, I worked really hard to do these cute little, this whole routine with them. And I decided that I was going to write about it. It inspired me, you know, and that was Uh 27 years ago. My kids are all grown now. And then uh, back then I sent the book to a few like publishers and agents and I got rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, that was discouraging for me. And so I go, you know, do I really have time to send it to a million publishers and agents? I put it aside and I continued with my career and my other writing. I just, I never stopped writing. Um, mm-hmm. And then just six years ago, I don't know, I, I came back to it and I'm like, you know what? I have to do this. It's in me. I got to come back to it. You know, I said I was going to do it and I rewrote it six years ago and I called it The Snuggling of Cuddleton falls and uh-huh. I created a second book and I just I said I'm going to do a nap time series about a beautiful bedtime experience and then I found luckily a brilliant illustrator and a graphic designer to help me pull it together and then I just went ahead and self-published it I did it myself amazing I love that and we are going to link your books to the description of this podcast so for those of you who are listening to us you can take a look and how about your memoir how is the process of writing it yeah the memoir is is a story of my life and I called it growing up with Mm -hmm. big hair because I had 
pretty big hair growing up. And it's a coming of age story about an Afro-Latina moving into an all-white neighborhood, confronting racism, mm -hmm. and how she finds her true place in this world. You know, my ultimate goal when I write stories is I visualize them too. I'm a, I'm a visual person. I love performance mm -hmm. art. And I visualize these stories. Like once I write them, I'd love to see them either on stage or uh, like performed somehow in film or uh -huh. television. So I even the snuggle winks, like I visualize things, right? And so, <laughs> you know, all of the things that I'm writing, like right, my kids inspired me to write snuggle winks. I'm writing the memoir. I wrote a play about my life and I that mm -hmm. inspired that I have comes from, you know, my real life experiences and my truth. And, you know, what I do is I kind of tuck away specific events in my life. It's almost like my life, it's kind of a movie playing. And I mm -hmm. store these events in my memory bank. And then when it's time, I kind of cash it out and I, I just mm -hmm. write about it. Amazing. I love that. So, and you bring attention to racial injustice for your real life stories. And where did you find your voice? It takes years to, I think, for people to find their voice, right? When you're young, mm -hmm. and for me, it wasn't easy. You know, when I was a child, I was always told not to speak until I was spoken to. I think, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was the cult, my family culture or the generation that we're in, right? They're like, you got anything to say? Say it to yourself, okay? Like you go to your room and you talk about it amongst yourself. And so maybe that's why I love to write. You know, I realized that through writing, I can say what I want to say and no one mm -hmm. can stop me, right? Like I'm just mm -hmm. writing what I'm feeling. I'm putting it on paper. But it wasn't until my mid 30s when I wrote and produced my first play that I really felt more confident to say out loud mm -hmm. what I really wanted to say. And that was through the medium of theater on the stage in front of an audience. I was able to say my story. And, and just through the years, it's been a difficult journey for me to speak up. And, and I think more now than ever, it's super important to do that. Like for the sake of those people who can't speak up, I yeah. am learning to speak louder. Yeah, you brought an interesting point that maybe it's our culture, it's the way we were raised, not even like gender expectations that is, is different. I remember when I was a kid, I always had like a lot of questions and people sometimes they don't like kids questioning, right? Asking difficult questions. So it's interesting how things hopefully changing and we are also finding our voices and in the end of the day i think what is really powerful too is that a lot of times we are not speaking just for ourselves right we are speaking for other people and people that might not be able to speak at the moment so it's really uh, important to keep this in mind I agree with you. And I think that's interesting that you say that with all the questions you have as a young child, we are so inquisitive and we mm -hmm. want answers and we don't, mm -hmm. and the parents are uncomfortable maybe because they don't have the answer. So they're yeah. like, quiet down now. You know, I don't understand mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Um, but the fact that you have a podcast now, I mean, <laughs> you've got a, you've got a microphone, right? You've got a platform that you could literally say whatever you want to say now. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it's for the people that, you know, either it helps you to say your story and it helps me to say my story as you grow, mm -hmm. but you don't know how many people you can inspire and change by using your voice. 
It's interesting because not a long time ago, actually, I just remember something. I remember when I was really young and I had a neighbor, she had a microphone and we used to play that. We were like interviewing people. And I remember the first time we did that, I was really super shy at that time. And I really enjoy it, but I wasn't able to ask questions. I wasn't able to have conversations, but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> That's great. Look at look at you now. <laughs> you can ask all the questions you want now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can all do We should. We should. Especially now, we need to question. We need to question the status quo all the time. And ourselves too, we need to talk with each other and learn with each other. And how was your experience when you filmed your first length play, Bloom, in 2005? I saw that it, it premiered at Chicago Latino Film Festival too. How was your, your experience? So um, just to be clear, so that I, I produced my first play, um, uh -huh. I'm a Female Seeking a Male, which is a comedy based on my uh -huh. life, actually my marriage, right? It's trying me, I'm trying to figure out and navigate my marriage kind of falling apart and my sister too and her life was falling apart and she just had a broken heart so this was my first play and it was based on a true story I interviewed men it was trying to figure out what are men really thinking it's a based on uh -huh. um, my interviews with single men so uh -huh. that was I'm a female seeking a male and that experience was amazing like it was an honor and a privilege to see my story and all of the characters come to life through a collaboration of all of these brilliant artists the director the actors stage crew, um, even the stage manager, production manager, and then even the audience. So when you're doing live theater and performance art, like the audience plays a really big role in kind of the whole art of it. Um, and that was phenomenal to see that collaboration. It's really different from writing because mm -hmm. as a writer, I'm writing like I sit down, I write by myself, I'm writing a, a book, a script, a short story, whatever it is, and it's a lonely process. But when you're producing your work or someone else's, it's so much more fun because it's just really where you're actually working to um, create art collectively with other artists, and I think it's magical. And then the same experience I had with the production of Bloom. Um, now, Bloom was written by a friend of mine. She's another, a fellow Latina, and she was writing kind of based on her sister sister story also um, about, you know, how her sister was struggling, you know, as a Latina and kind of in sort of this cycle of bad decisions. And so that fact that it premiered and I was co-producer of that film, we filmed it in Chicago on location. We just, we had such a great time, you know, like I didn't care if I was up at four in the morning filming. Um, uh -huh. It was just a really fun experience. And the fact that the Chicago Latino Film Festival um, chose it in 2005, right, for the, the film festival, it was really just kind of a validation that, you know, we're like, wow, we're we're real storytellers, Latinx mm -hmm. story. At the time, we didn't call it Latinx, but Latino storytellers, you know, it was really, mm -hmm. really a phenomenal experience. I'll never forget it. Amazing. I, I love that. I love that. When you're like truly doing something that you love, you don't care about, oh, I'm working at 4 a.m., whatever, I'm having fun and creating something meaningful. This is amazing absolutely it's true you have to love what you do cool and tell me first thing that comes to your mind when you hear these phrases this is one of my favorite ones so your superpower 
Teleportation. Just beam me up to the next location. I don't want to have to get on a plane. <laughs> I just want to get there. Yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm kind of feeling I want to go to Italy right now. So, like, transport me this very second. That's what I would love to do. <laughs> And a dream. I feel like I'm living my dream. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm living my dream. And Palm Springs. Film festival. That's like one of those. Bloom was、uh, premiered at the Palm Springs Festival. An amazing memory, I'm sure. Yes. And a curiosity. The moon. <laughs> like, what's it like to be on the moon? To land on it? To to look at it? To feel it? Maybe someday, you know, get there myself someday. Interesting. Nice. And I saw your artistic statement where you said that you are drawn to life—a real life with real humans—and you always try to find human in it. And I think this is really courageous and also quite hard. So, can you share more with us? Yeah, you know,、um, my true inspiration for storytelling really comes from my own life experiences, like where、mm-hmm. I can speak. From a place of truth and authenticity,、mm-hmm. um, for some reason I have a really hard time coming up with a completely fictional character, like out of the blue, out of my imagination, make somebody up, and I have a hard time making it sound honest and vulnerable. So, in fact, my son, my son is a writer and he writes fantasy, so he、uh-huh. can create. Not only the characters, but he creates a community, a city, and like an entire universe from his imagination.、Mm-hmm. And I really do admire that. I admire that kind of writing, and I aspire someday I might be able to do that. But today, I'm drawing on my own life, and、mm-hmm. and being that I do love to laugh, I'm always laughing.、Um, mm-hmm. I have no problem laughing at myself. Um, mm-hmm. I always try to find a little comic relief, even in the toughest of situations. So you know,、mm-hmm. I think it's a real reflection of、um, our true lives. Like one minute you're having, you know, an emotional breakdown. You could be crying about something that's really sad to you,、um, or something might not. You know, I don't know. Any example of something that makes you sad, and and the next minute you're finding that you're laughing. I don't even know, like, either someone <laughs> said something, or you're just so emotionally just wrapped up in yourself that all of a sudden you start laughing. And、uh-huh. and it's happened to me where I, you know, something just kind of breaks that cycle. And I love that as humans we can do that. And I really think and I believe that laughter is a gift from God、um, mm-hmm. to help us get through some of life's greatest suffering, and and that's what I use in my writing to kind of、mm-hmm. break up that drama and that sadness or some painful moment. I gotta go. I need a comic relief here. You know, let's break、yeah. it up. Let's laugh about something. <laughs> I, I love that, and I think it's a really good mindset to have. Do you think where did this mindset come from? Do you think it's from your family or、uh, maybe our culture? Because I can definitely see this mindset in a, a lot of like Latinxes that I know, even like my family and kind of like the way we live in Brazil, for example. Sometimes we say, "Oh, we are sad, we are crying, but we are also laughing." <laughs> It's so true. I, you know, I, I wonder if that is because my family, you know, we we when we get together, it's like nonstop 
joke, laughing. We're always, <laughs> someone's always on top of each other, cracking. Just, I don't know if this is that way in your family. We talk over each other. And uh-huh. then my dad is really hilarious. And he's a storyteller. I get the storytelling from him, you know. Um, uh-huh. And when he talks, like, he always is, like, super funny. When we were a kid, they, my, my dad's, like, work people would say, oh, my God, he's so funny. How do you live with this funny guy? When we were kids, I'm like, he's not that funny, you know. He used to, like, you know. You know, he had a sturdy hand, but, but, you know, as we grew up, we just realized like it really just kind of the sense of humor boils down to like the simplest things, right? Like little, either an awkward moment, like something that somebody says that stupid is funny, or you could make a facial expression. And, (laughs) you know, I I do think it's, maybe it is cultural. I just, I, we enjoy our family. Like it's, we call it the Moochie Christmas when (laughs) our entire family gets together, the Moochie Christmas. And it's just like a laughing fest. Yeah, we're blessed, very blessed with laughter. That's all. It's important. Yeah, yeah, it's important. And what are your favorite acting moments so far? You know, um, I wouldn't say like I am have been acting my whole life, or kind of, you know, as a kid or whatever. But I think, and I've acted in commercials. Um, I also was uh, in the indie film Bloom. I act. I was a friend of the lead character. Um, but I also have performed my own work and my own writing. And I'd have to say that my greatest acting moments are playing myself. Uh You could call it acting. But, Uh you know, just last weekend I performed a reading of my um, short story, Spit. It's part of my, an excerpt of my memoir. And it was extremely powerful um, and emotionally charged for me. Um, I had to go, like, dig really deep, like, kind of find that pain all over again. Mm -hmm. And to reenact that um, for others It could really shake you to your core. And I know that a lot of actors that are playing other characters and other parts, they do have to kind of dig deep into the character and to mm-hmm. draw that out of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of had to dig deep into my own character and into that mm-hmm. little girl who was 12 when, you know, I experienced this, you know, kind of very traumatic experience. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, that's what we artists have to do, right? We just kind of have to dig deep, find the truth and share it. Yeah, and I watched you last week and I definitely could feel your emotion. It was so beautiful. And do you think since you're acting and telling your own stories, do you think it's also kind of a way to heal yourself, especially when it's a challenging moment? And Because I'm asking that because I feel that just talk can be also a, a way to heal. And I understand that sometimes we don't want to talk with certain things, but when we do it, we automatically feel a little bit better. Oh my God, absolutely. You know, I think writing When you're writing too, it helps you. So if maybe you're not performing, but you could write is a good, writing is a good outlet for your emotions or to kind of relive an experience maybe that you're not free to talk about. But, Mm -hmm. you know, writing, I think, is a way to do that. And when you perform it, I do feel like that was even even now, you know, because I performed it years ago. Mm -hmm. And to relive it again this past weekend, it took me a couple of days to believe it or not to recover. But, uh, you know, to answer the question, is it healing? I would say, yes, it is healing. Because Mm -hmm. even though it was hard to do, I went back to that place. I went Mm -hmm. back to that little girl who was hurt. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had to, you know, address it and say, you know, it's okay. 
It happened. Mm -hmm. It's in the past, but I had to face it again and realize, you know what, the more I tell that story, the more I will, you know, you just kind of get past it. It takes time. It's, you know, that story and the ones I'm writing, like in my memoir, it still brings up an emotion in me. I will Uh still get emotional about it because it's there. It's in my core. It happened. The memory of it does still stir me, but it is definitely a healing process. And it is a healer for me to express that. Amazing. And it's it's inspiring for us to to hear your story. You're also helping a lot of people to heal. So this is magical. I love that. And I'm curious about your memoir. Do you have like a launch date? I can't wait to read. <laughs> I actually don't have a date yet, but uh, 2021, God willing, you know, is uh-huh. my target. I have been working on it for, I don't know, I want to say 15 years, to be honest with you. It's not like something that just happens. It takes uh-huh. time because I do have to go back to that place where I was. And uh-huh. it is an emotional process to write it. So mm-hmm. it is like a, you know, it's not easy to write your stories like that are deep and sometimes painful, but, um, uh-huh. but there, it's coming along. I just finished another, uh, another one that's called Oreo. It's going to be like some of the, may, maybe I'll share another short story and a reading or something like that. So you'll get a little glimpse of it. Oh, amazing. I love that. Cool. Can't can wait to hear it. And what makes you laugh? You mentioned about your family, your stories. I was trying to explain, like, when my family gets together, I think that what makes me laugh is just, like, the simplest little thing, you know, that will send me laughing hysterically. Um, An expression on someone's face, like, if someone says something, like, if you say something at the wrong time, but then it's just, like, it could be, I just imagine, (laughs) like, okay, that was the, the worst time ever, and it doesn't make any sense, but it's hilarious. And so I laugh at that. I also laugh at myself. I do. Uh I think it's, you know, I had um, a cousin who is my best. I write about her in my memoir. She was my best friend growing up and um, she was hilarious and she used to make fun of me all the time. But in joking, right, like she Uh would just pick on me in the funniest way and she would just have me on the floor cracking up. So sometimes (laughs) I think just either laughing at myself or something so simple and stupid, it's just... I always find something funny. Cool. And do you have like internal jokes with your friends and family? I'm asking that because I have a bunch with my friends and some stupid things that we say or stupid things that happens to us and suddenly becomes a a joke. Yeah, you can take with you forever. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm laughing. I don't even know the inside joke, but I could visualize, like, you know, like even just, you know, and I don't know if you do this with your friends or your family, right? You just might. And it's not even like there's a difference between like making fun of someone in a bad way on just pick one thing. And then and that's, yeah, you might just kind of, I don't know if it's like poking fun and, you know, making light <laughs> of the situation. Yeah, I love it. I love that. And I love that we are like finalizing your episode, like laughing. So amazing. I love that. Uh, That was incredible. I really enjoyed learning more about your story, your projects and everything you did in your career. It's definitely so inspiring and important. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate you um, sharing the story. And I'm, you know, anything that I can do to uh, support Latinx in power. I'm really impressed with what you're doing as well, Daisa. I'm honestly like, I think that your story is amazing. And I hope more people hear about it. And it's really great that you're helping um, Latin 
you know, men and women come on your show mm-hmm. and share their story. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Thank you. That's it for today, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll have more episodes in the end of this year every Tuesday. So every week we'll have a new episode. And I would love to hear your thoughts. Please share with me, always with kindness, via Instagram, Twitter, email. Our handle is Latinx Empower in all social media channels. And please send us a recommendation via Apple Podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts. 